how you found me. Well, whatever you're doing, I hope this gives you a little entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Sarita Shoemaker, and these are the stories of my survival and escape over four decades from the Church of Scientology. Hi there, and thanks for listening today. My podcast is called Manipulating a Child is Easy. I was going to do a big intro giving kudos to the people in my life that are supporting me through this journey, but I'm saving that for the end. It would be extremely cool if you were to take a few minutes at the end and silently thank them too. If it weren't for my patrons, this podcast would not be happening and my book would not be as far along as it is. Instead, I'm jumping right into it. I thought about where to begin today's story. How do I answer the question, the number one question I get asked the most? When did you get out of Scientology? I'm going to shed light on some of the ways leaving was impossible. From beginning, when I was eight years old, through the service of the Sea Organization, from the age of 14 to 22. Just to lay some foundation for you. It is complicated because you can't just leave Scientology like you might leave an art club, a baseball team, a company, or a lead marketing group. Yes, you were part of those groups intentionally, but maybe they started to go in a direction that you didn't want to follow. Leaving groups is still extremely stressful for me and nearly impossible to just simply do. I feel this remorse or regret that I've wronged the members of the group somehow, even today, 2019. In Scientology, they say you can leave. Sure, you can leave, but you'll pay for it because you're making the wrong choice. This is why you should never, ever, ever join Scientology, any of its groups, any of its front groups. They don't even admit that they are actually Scientology or run by the teachings of L. Ron Hubbard, like Applied Scholastics, the Way to Happiness Foundation, Delphi, the school in Sheridan, Oregon, uh, CCHR, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Just start doing research if you start seeing these humanitarian groups or educational groups. Find out if they're connected. Just dig. Find out if they have anything to do with L. Ron Hubbard. If they do, run. Do not join them. Do not help them. And if you are, please stop helping them. They are not here to help you or anybody for that matter. So if I decided I did not want to be on staff, contracted five years, I was never on staff, or in the C organization, contracted for a billion years, which I did sign that contract, there are explicit steps you would have to take to route out or off of staff. Even if you do leave, you are still considered a Scientologist. At this point, they expect you to pay them back for all of the training courses or auditing you received while working for them. That's called a freeloader debt. My work for them meant nothing. I owe them, and they reminded me repeatedly, threatening with lower conditions and justice actions, which could result in me being kicked out of the church and labeled a suppressive person. When you are a suppressive person, all Scientologists you know must disconnect from you, or they will get in trouble. But routing off staff or out of the Sea Org is one stage of, quote, leaving on your own terms. I sort of did that. It kind of got complicated. When my husband, the father of my first child, got declared a suppressive person, I was summoned to the Continental Justice Chief's office and informed that I was forbidden to communicate with him until he, quote, handled it. I don't know all that he had to do exactly. He wasn't allowed to talk to me. There's a checklist for suppressive persons called A to E, and Hubbard wrote it in 1965. It was updated right after my ex was declared. Fancy that. I don't know what it was updated to. Basically, he had to admit to the group that he did commit suppressive acts, reveal what exactly he did, 
and how ignorant and unfounded, including the things and the people that influenced him to suppress or attack Scientology was. He had to get it signed before witnesses and published broadly within the church, especially to the people he states influenced him. It's supposed to expose any conspiracy if there was one. It's a very damning thing later, if you think about it, to write all this down and admit all this. They could use this against you, which is part of what they do regularly. He would then have to pay all debts to Scientology that he owed. He'd have to start at the beginning of his training and or processing, paying for it all over again. Forget the fact that he, when you do these attest, you do these classes or courses, you're attesting to achieving or accomplishing some miraculous level or epiphany. And it's the right one. Like there aren't others. There's just one right answer and you pick it and it's the right thing. When you get to attest to it, it's a big deal. Attesting to something you actually accomplished or realized, and then you have to pay to realize it again is ridiculous. But this is what they made him do. It's a known fact it could cost up to $250,000 for one person to get to the top of the bridge. I'll talk about that later. If you got declared, you'd have to do it all again. It's absolutely insane. So once he went through all of this, he could be, quote, in good standing again with the church and he'd have his family back and his friends, which really there aren't true friends in Scientology because everyone is ratting everyone else out. This happened just three months after our son was born. And I'll share what happened to me and my son when our only source of money was cut off uh, another day. So let me get back on topic. Squirrel! What if you just wanted to get out of Scientology completely on your own? That is nearly impossible for someone that has been indoctrinated for decades, especially starting at a very young age when our minds and our brains are developing. Today on the Center for Disease Control's website, it says, I'm going to quote it. Children learn best when parents take turns when talking and playing and build on their child's skills and interests. Nurturing a child by understanding their needs and responding sensitively helps to protect the children's brains from stress. Speaking with children and exposing them to books, stories, and songs helps strengthen children's language and communication, which puts them on a path towards learning and succeeding in school. Exposure to stress and trauma can have long-term negative consequences for the child's brain, whereas talking, reading, and playing can stimulate brain growth. During adolescence, that's age 10 to 19, Children develop the ability to, and these are bulleted. First one is, understand abstract ideas. These include grasping higher math concepts and developing moral philosophies, including rights and privileges. The next one is, establish and maintain satisfying relationships. Adolescents will learn to share intimacy without feeling worried or inhibited. The next one is move toward a more mature sense of themselves and their purpose. And the last one is, question old values without losing their identity. That's it on the Center for Disease Control's website. Well, I was a child when it all began. Seven years old, my sister was five. Scientifically, our brains are fully developed the prefrontal cortex by age 25. The prefrontal cortex helps a person function. Your life experiences influence this. Things like attention, complex planning, decision-making, Impulse control, logical thinking, organized thinking, personality development, risk management, and short and long-term memory. My sister and I, we were perfect candidates to be brainwashed. And L. Ron Hubbard knew this as he recruited children to serve him in his elite core, the C organization. I am now learning how far from ideal L. Ron Hubbard pushed my mother and me just following his teachings. At the beginning of our lives in this cult, which would be in the 70s, 
in an attic in the Scientology Mission of Columbus, Ohio on Broad Street. I got in trouble and went to ethics officers for handlings, not my mom. I got in plenty of trouble on a regular basis. In hindsight, you know how kids, quote, act up for attention. I think I definitely wanted attention. Like, how about like 10 minutes a day? I don't know. My mom was kept so busy trying to make a living and then Scientology sucked every other ounce of time out of her to go into their indoctrination rooms to, quote, study L. Ron Hubbard's teachings. They call that a course room. You take courses there to learn what L. Ron Hubbard says. I, I hated Scientology so much and I had a big mouth at home. You could say I acted up a lot. At the Scientology mission, I tried to keep my mouth shut. But when I put flack on my mom's plate at home, she would report me to the mission and I would be pulled into ethics there and assigned lower conditions. When you are in lower conditions, you are kicked out of the group. You are not allowed to return to it until you apply each of the steps of the formulas. I was put into the condition of confusion repeatedly. This is the lowest of the states of existence within the church. It's usually broad public knowledge when someone is assigned this condition to humiliate them. Hubbard said there were steps, he called them formulas, to improve your condition of existence. The formula for confusion was to reflect on your own and search your soul to find out where you are. That's the formula. Find out where you are. As though your behavior has taken you someplace else mentally. I I sat alone for hours until I came up with this right answer. First, I would come up with an idea, write it down, take it to be approved by the ethics officer which would take hours because I was definitely a lower priority as a kid. If he or she approved it, then I'd be allowed to move up to the next condition. That condition of existence is called treason. Boy, let me tell you, I did get to know this condition because it was assigned when there was a betrayal after trust. Some examples of this for me would be to stop causing trouble for my mother, stop punching and antagonizing my sister, or do my assigned jobs or tasks without any crap. And just remember, I'm eight or nine years old when this is beginning in my life. I'm just curious if you have any eight or nine-year-olds in your life and what are their behaviors like? Moving on. The formula for treason is to find out that you are. You know, just today, hearing that, saying that puts me back into my head. Uh, My guesses would go through the same process of writing them down and asking for approval from ethics. Just think about that for a second. Find out that you are. You're nine years old and you're trying to figure out that you are. What the hell does that mean? Well, the correct answer is, in case you wondered, you're supposed to know that you are an ethical thetan or being or something similar. This is where I was being dunked underwater and not allowed up for air, mentally or spiritually. I had to agree with the basic philosophy Hubbard was training everyone to agree and believe in. It was like the cornerstone of the methods he used to control the members. But I answered and began the process of belief. I got an approval and I moved up to the next state of being. That's called enemy. Yep, as an eight-year-old, maybe I was nine, I was told I was an enemy to my mom, my sister, and Scientology. You are still kicked out of the group at this point and working on your own with the person administering these lower conditions on you or with you. A lot of times I had to go to my stepfather for approval because I'd have been assigned these lower conditions at home. To get out of the condition of enemy, the formula to figure out is to find out who you really are. So 
now you have to think about what you did as an enemy and guess the answer to get released. Who you really are. What I know I thought was, I am an eight-year-old or nine-year-old whose mother has turned over her job of mother to a cult. I am alone in trying to figure out how to survive in this insanity, and I'm definitely building up hatred for Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard, the mission staff, the ethics officer, my sister, my stepfather. I'm considered an enemy until I figure out and admit that I am something else. Like an ethical member of the cult of Scientology willing to apply its philosophies to myself. It's insane. But this is what every single member of the cult is doing to themselves, their children, their parents. Because L. Ron Hubbard says to do it. Not that they can think critically at all. They're not allowed to think critically. Okay, let me move on here. After I've figured out who I really am, I'm given the green light to the next state of existence, which is doubt. This is where you cannot make up your mind as to the individual group or project you're, you're staring at or you're looking at in your head. I'm assigned these conditions as a member of the group. We're going to call that group my family. But it's not really a family unit at all. We are each components equally responsible for the entire group. Doubt is a longer formula. It's about eight steps. The other ones were just that one step. Well, I don't want to go into them all here, but the bottom line is you have to reflect on the honest and actual intentions of the group you have or had been but being part of. The one that you, you know, wanted to leave maybe or you're looking at another one, the one that is bad or unethical or unproductive. Next, you want to evaluate, and this is, by the way, this is all in your head. You mean, you write it down as you go, but this is all thinking. This is all in your head. You evaluate the group you want to be part of. Is it the ethical Scientology family unit group? I'm at a crossroads. And obviously, being a naughty kid should have consequences. I I agree. Beating at my sister is not okay. Not doing my chores is not okay. But you shouldn't kick a person out of the family for that. But you have to decide, which group do you, are you going to join? And then you have to do everything possible to improve the actions and statistics of the person, group, or project, or organization you have remained in or you have joined. If I wanted to remain in the group that didn't have a family, then I'd have to figure out how to improve that group. I'm nine. This is insane. So what is a nine-year-old going to choose? They're going to choose to be with their family. And this is where I gave up some of my integrity. I knew my stepfather hated me and he abused me. I knew it wasn't okay. And I knew my mom knew what was happening. She watched it, heard it, and she allowed it. I also know all of their friends in the church knew about it too. It was really embarrassing. It was degrading. And the only way out for me was to do something super repulsive. I had to call him dad and allow or accept him as that role model in my life, the person that was hurting me and abusing me the most. I had to call him dad. This was right before a Thanksgiving dinner that was hosted at Grandma Ruth's house. I wasn't allowed to join that dinner because I hadn't called him dad at this point yet. I did later. They left me at home while they all left to go have this fun, exciting adventure, family adventure. I was begging to come, but I was not allowed. I was in lower conditions. And my stepfather, at this point, pretty much ruled over my mom. Um, that lasted, that period of time of being in this lower condition lasted until close to Christmas time. There was another event uh, Grandma Ruth was having uh, for the family to get together. And uh, there were other family members for this one um, that I really loved being around. They were musicians. That whole side of the family, all the uh, brothers and sisters of my stepfather, I really liked them a lot. And my cousins, too. My step cousins. I wanted to go to this event really badly. 
That's when I said the words. I wrote them down. And it's really embarrassing to admit that I did this just so I could go be at a party, you know. All of this was in my own handwriting in one of my folders the church has on me. By the way, so is all the other abuse that went on and was told to auditors and ethics officers or chaplains. It's all documented. That wasn't even the end of the process for me, though. I did get to go to my grandma Ruth's house and got to have a delicious dinner. We never really had them anymore. I got welcomed to sit at a table with all the other non-Scientology people like no one knew, you know? The only ones that did know, my mom and my stepfather, that I was in lower conditions and I was not accepted back into the group, my family. After we got home, I was reminded of my next condition of existence that I was sitting in until I had applied the formula perfectly. It's called liability. The first step is, again, admitting what I did was unethical and how exactly I did it. How did I, what were the details, all the gory details? And then I had to make up for all that above and beyond the ordinary demands of a normal group member. That's from what L. Ron Hubbard says, by the way. And every time I say group, I'm speaking as L. Ron Hubbard would speak in the formulas. A group is, in this case, my family. This was called making amends. And normally it took forever. Most immense projects included working at the mission unpaid, doing whatever work was needed from cleaning to folding and stuffing envelopes, helping protest at anti-psychiatry rallies. I did those a few times to walking the streets, going door to door, selling Dianetics books, which I completely hated. Once I felt I went above and beyond, I wrote everything down starting at step one, including all the amends I did. Then I went in person to each member of the group, family and Scientology, and gave them my entire write-up, which asks them for approval to be allowed back into the group. If a majority of the people say yes, then you're allowed back in and they sign their name. You have these sections at the bottom. One says, okay, and the other one says, not okay. And people would sign one or the other. If somebody didn't think that you had made up enough or that you had confronted what you did that was so unethical, they could say no. If you get a majority and then you're back in. Back in means you're allowed to be around your family again or in the church. You're allowed to come in to be on course. Now I'm allowed to go on course and learn what L. Ron Hubbard is brainwashing me to do. I was allowed to get auditing by strangers and go to family gatherings. At the time, I know I felt good being allowed back into the family. I felt lucky, but I also felt confused about how my family was behaving compared to other families in my life. This was how my life was from age seven onward. I went through this process hundreds of times doing the conditions. Eventually, you stop saying or doing things that will get you sent to ethics or assign the conditions, the lower conditions in the eyes of L. Ron Hubbard. Or for me, I learned how to hide my true feelings that are simmering. They were simmering in the back of my head. This didn't stop the pressure to follow Scientology's bridge to total freedom, though. The bridge is supposed to make you the most valuable being on earth, something I eventually craved to know and learn. If you are not on the bridge, then there is something ethically wrong with you. That's what I felt anyways. So I began changing. I got my act together and I stopped resisting. Then I eventually joined the C organization, signing my billion-year contract to help put ethics in on the planet and save mankind. Crazy, huh? The end for today. My next podcast will be picking up at this point. How did I end up serving L. Ron Hubbard in his exclusive organization at the Secretive International Management Base? And this is where I had had enough and wanted out for real. 
So I made a plan using my 16-year-old brain that had been manipulated for the previous eight years. My gratitude portion, 60 seconds. Were it not for the following individuals, my podcast book and story would not be out on the airwaves. I think of these people every single day. They push me to get the next chapter written, the next page written, details researched and documented, my podcast written and produced. Thank you so much. Randy, Claire, Wandering Weirdo, Terry, Stephanie, Susanna, Elizabeth, Daniel, Bambi Beaverhausen, Shar, Bobby, Amelie, Robin, Sandra, Rick, Christine, Stefan Zinowich, Adelita, Kim, Mary, Kim, Derisa, Amy Lynn, Linda, Susan, and Amanda. All of you have given me constant support, attention, guidance, and questions and encouragement. I just really love all of you so much. Thank you. You can be part of my journey through my Patreon site. The address is www.patreon.com, Sarita88. When you are my patron, I give you some great extras no one else has access to, like limited edition apparel, hot chocolate mugs, early access to my podcast, happy lopes, limited edition stationery packages, secret photo coverage of my life and story. Your name will be published in every podcast and in my first printing of my book, along with a bunch of other great things. I hope you'll consider it. Just go and check it out and pick a tier. I feel an urgency to make my own story known, to make the truth known out there and hopefully save another child or family from going through what I went through and what my family went through. Scientology does a lot of marketing and promotion and charges a lot of money to its members to pay for it. It's all a facade, and I know this from having been a member from the very bottom to the top of the organization. They tell their members lies to keep them giving money and they haven't accepted responsibility for ever having done anything wrong, ever, 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 ever. It's a cult, and it's a trap. I hope you don't join. Thanks for listening.